All right, so it was the uh, recently departed and late James Ingram that once sang, there's uh, no easy way to break somebody's heart. And the Carpenters, who also lamented that breaking up is hard to do. And inevitably, all of us will go through at least one breakup in our lives. Some can be amicable, while others can be particularly acrimonious. But one thing's for sure, uh, breaking up leaves everyone with the dreaded case of the ex. So uh, how does one navigate a breakup, the subsequent dreaded ex zone? And uh, what can we do? Uh, to make it easier, not only for us, but for our future partners. Well, if this is something that you've been struggling with, never fear. Uh, Behavioural scientist uh, and uh, psychologist Dr. Josh is here to help us out and he'll be taking your calls if you have an X-related question that you want to ask. And I'd love you to share your breakup stories with us, please, uh, if you are feeling feeling brave enough, uh, the good, the bad and the ugly. Or perhaps you just want to let me know um, or share with us what you think is the best or are the best and worst ways to break up with someone. Um, Lauren from Fishhook says, face-to-face, it's the best way. Uh, make an exit strategy and get out of there. Honestly, best honesty is best honestly best possible in my opinion uh, do keep uh, your comments coming in on the best and worst ways to break up with somebody but for now we welcome dr josh to the show lovely to have you back with us dr josh hey sarah jane how are you yeah i'm super really really good dr josh good. is there ever any such thing as a good breakup oh the psychologist answer is it depends how you define good right good for what good for the the long run, um, good for ultimately both people in the in the relationship. In in some ways, yeah, good. It's an abusive relationship, or there's a substance abuse. I mean, there's a lot of times when breakup is a healthy act to engage in. Now, if you ask me, is there ever a time where a breakup is fun and light and and enjoyable? Rarely, but <laughs> in terms of it being meaningful, important, or good for the longer term, there's lots of good breakups. That's why a lot of people get divorced. Yeah. Well, we just heard. We just heard from uh, from one of our mm-hmm. listeners uh, who said, you know, she was married for 32 years, got divorced two years ago, and uh, and her ex-husband is her best friend. Well, and, and, you know, one of the things we see a lot in divorce, I don't know all the time, she said, and her her ex-husband is her best friend. The question you'd want to ask is, during the decision to break up, or I mean, during the decision to get divorced, during the divorce process, how best of a friend was he, and did it feel in that moment? Because very often, even if it's even if people don't hate each other, it's so painful that in the moment and in that transitional period, they don't get along too well. They don't feel good together. It is hurtful. And then on the back side, very often, that's where the friendship picks back up. We've we made it through this part where we needed to be alone. We needed to be by ourselves. We needed to feel sad or grief or anger. And then they get to be friends later on. That's why they, you know, the carpenter breaking up is breaking up is hard to do. It's what happens on the backside that determines how well the rest of your life is. Yeah, yeah. Something that always I find always very bizarre is when celebrities break up and they feel that for whatever reason they need to announce it to the rest of us. Um, and it always seems to be that they say that there's two things that they say. Nobody else was involved and we remain the very best of friends. And I always call bullshit because I think that's not possible. There's, it's, it's simply not. If you were the best of friends, you probably either wouldn't have got together in the first place because of the whole friends 
own thing. And if you were the best of friends in the relationship, you'd probably still be together. So I'm not buying it for a second. Your response allowed me to retain my professional decorum and yet convey exactly with what I would have said anyway. Yes. I mean, look, we, and, and it doesn't just have to be celebrities. I mean, if you think about it, the whole particularly divorce, you know, that's the other thing. Breaking up, you know, what are we talking about? Are we talking about someone that you've been dating for a year or six months, someone you've been married to for five years or one year or 20 years? Uh, your your child who's a teenager who's had their first love so that it all has different twists to it but a lot of times um what we present publicly is all to save face our own face to save pride to, to, to keep our sense of pride and um upstandingness in the face of others and so what we present publicly very often is not a hundred percent accurate to what's going on behind the scenes do you think that some people have breakup phobia because and i'd probably put my hand up <laughs> as being one of them i hate it i it's you know i've stayed in relationships where i should have been long long gone and it's not so much the fear of no longer being with that person oftentimes i would love to no longer be with that person but there's something about the actual breaking up i'm avoiding that part is there such a thing do some people have oh. breakup phobia I mean, think about it. Your um, your Phil Collins and Bob Marley example. Mm. Now that could be narcissism. Yeah, that could be you know. Yeah, but it. But you know what underlies both. But underlies narcissism is complete fear. Mm. Right. Oh, yeah. So so all right. The text, the facts, the Bob Marley one. I'd never heard. That's that's, that's harsh. probably that's that's narcissism. But the sending the facts or sending the text. Um, that's not. That's not just being crude. Very often what that is is somebody who doesn't have the courage to look you in the eye and say this is over. And so when you talk about a phobia um, or a fear of breaking up, a lot of people stay in rela- either stay in relationships because they don't want to go through the process or they look for the least conflictual way out. And when I mean conflictual, meaning what is the least amount of contact I need to have with this person so I don't have to look them in the eye, Mm. so I don't have to feel what I know is going to be a bad feeling. And that is a fear of the the hurt that is going to be present during the breakup. And so what do people do? They, in the Phil Collins day, they send text, uh, they send fax messages. And what do they do now? And I've seen it with teenagers. I've seen it with 20-somethings. They send text messages. Mm. They can be long text messages, but they literally send Dear John or Dear Jane letters <laughs> via text, and then it's boom, and it's done. It's over. Or Dear Sarah Jane letters. Yes. Devastatingly. Yes, <laughs> yes exactly. Yeah, but it, it is because we don't want to look at the other person. Yeah. We don't want to feel... We don't want to feel bad. Their pain. Yeah. Yeah, we don't want to yes. feel bad. We don't want to feel bad. So let's talk about, uh, and I should just say, if you are just joining us, we're talking to Dr. Josh this week about uh, breaking up and, and the best versus the worst way of doing it. And I, I, I wonder if we're going to find anything, um, a, a, an actual definitive point here, because breaking up, as the carpenter said, breaking up uh, is is hard to do. Um, some of you have been messaging in on Facebook, on the WhatsApp, saying uh, the worst way is through a friend. The best way is to explain briefly, uh, in, explain 
explain why briefly and then leave. Uh, somebody else is saying face to face. A lot of people um, rather poignantly quoting the late great James Ingram and saying there's no easy way to break somebody's heart. Uh, somebody saying Kravani saying a handwritten letter after you've spoken with them. Eek. Yeah, um, it's pain. <laughs> no, I actually think that that. See, sometimes, sometimes what happens is there is so much um, anxiety, uh, rush of emotions, anxiety, sadness, anger, love, all of it that it makes it 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 makes it extremely hard, even even with the best intentions, to to say exactly what you want to say in person. And this is why we do say things like either write it out ahead of time and know what you're going to say, um, or keep it reasonably brief, um, uh, compassionate, and then, yes, I think it's okay on the backside to provide a letter explaining, even though it may devastate them more, but one of the things I think is super important, do not leave it open-ended, vague, or room for confusion. Hmm. If you're going to break up with them, don't try to break up and then patch it up at the end and say, you know, you never know. What might be, might be. Don't ever do that. That is not, it's not fair. And that's only, you're only doing that to soothe your own guilt. And to to mitigate the the hurt, I guess, in some way. But it's not mitigating it. It's just, it's prolonging Prolonging it. it. (laughs) And, And again, look, if it was, you know, the proverbial, if it was meant to be, it was meant to be, guess what? If it was meant to be, it was meant to be. You don't have to say that. Mm. It, it, it's larger than your words. And that's why I do think it's okay if you're feeling overwhelmed, you can make it short, you can make it brief, you should be compassionate, but don't send mixed messages in the breakup if, in fact, you are intending to break up. You know, so the embrace... Um, a lot of times there's an embrace, and the person on the other side um, is, you know, they're reading into it. Look, they embraced me. They hugged me. They gave me a kiss. What does that mean? Does that mean that we're Don't do that. It's going to be painful. It's not going to be fun. It needs to be meaningful. And then you need to move forward and move on. And what you're not responsible for are their subsequent emotions. Not only are you not responsible for them, you're not allowed to dictate them. They may yell, they may cry, they may laugh, they may scream. That is theirs and their priority and their prerogative, not yours. I want to talk about something that I've, I've never heard anyone actually speak about when it comes to breakups, really. Um, and that is location. And it might seem a little sort of trivial, but, but actually location would, to me, would be hugely important. If you say to me, this, this actually happened to me once. Okay. So here's a story. So I'm going out with this guy. Um, and, uh, and he, and he's not listening because he's in Australia. So it's fine. It's probably about one o'clock in the afternoon there. So I'm going out with this guy and I'm blissfully happy and it's all going terribly well. And he takes me to Singapore. We go to Singapore. He has to go off on some business thing for the day. He comes back. And as he comes up the elevator and into the bar where I'm waiting, all dressed up and and absolutely thrilled and and thinking, 
as he's coming up, I'm thinking he could well be about to propose. This is an absolutely true story. He could oh, well no. be about, yeah, he could well be about to propose. If he was, a, if he were to propose, I wouldn't be shocked. I'm sitting there trying to look glamorous, looking over, you know, various, you know, the, the, the skyline of Singapore. He comes up, he sits down, and the first thing he says to me in a public bar in a hotel where I'm all spruced up to the nines is, I can't do this anymore. Ugh. I mean, yeah, that, what sort that, of maniac do you have to be? <laughs> the, no, you know, it, it's not. I mean, yeah, maybe he's a maniac. But see, this is the thing. Um, there is anxiety and fear make us do stupid things. Okay. And they make us do things particularly to, um, to mitigate our own anxiety and fear. And so the idea of, of a lot of pre-planning or the idea of doing it in an intimate place where, where he would be with you and there would be sort of no one else around, all of that su- is suggested to him of, well, she may yell, she may cry, she may crumble, yeah, all of she the may above. be whatever. I don't want to be them. That scares me. So I'm going to do it as quickly as possible in a place that allows, that allows for two things. One, probably not a whole lot of emotion because there's a lot of people watching. And two, an immediate exit opportunity. And what I'm saying is, now some people may be listening, your listeners may be listening to me and going, oh, that's a great idea, brilliant, (laughs) that's perfect. That's fine, but it's also the most, it's the least compassionate, most gutless way to break up with somebody. And if you can live with that, that's okay, and or, and I will say this, if you don't care much about this person, Mm -hmm. if they've done you wrong, if you've got some reason that you really don't care at all, then go for it. But if you're trying to be compassionate and do this in an upstanding way, it is a serious, important, difficult talk that should happen in private. In private, not in public and not any other place. It should be a private conversation. Mm. Uh, We're talking to Dr. Josh Claypo, and tonight we're talking about breaking up with people and uh, the dreaded uh, conversation where you have to be the one to end a relationship. We've had a message in from Neil in Saldana Bay who says, uh, how do do I communicate to my partner that I don't love him anymore and want out of the relationship? Now, here's a question. Is it necessary to communicate that actual piece of information? Do you need to say to somebody, I do not love you anymore? Or can you sugar the pill slightly? And I know that we're talking about honesty and compassion, but is yeah. it is it necessary? I mean, what a that is painful to hear. I don't love you anymore. Um. So the way that the, the challenge you have is you don't have to lead with "I don't love you anymore," but when you're really talking about breaking up, um, the, you know, depending on what's the, how the other person feels on the other side, they're going to ask questions like, "Why, Sarah Jane? Why are you breaking up with me?" And then what? What do you say? Well, we're not compatible. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, what do you mean we're not compatible? Um, uh, I've moved on. I've moved, I'm moving in a different direction. I mean, every cliche in the book comes up, right? Mm, mm, it's not mm. you. It's, it's not you. It's me. It's me. Yeah. What do you mean it's not you? It's me. So I guess my point is, and to, and to, your, to your listener, you may not have to lead with, I don't love you anymore. But ultimately, if the reason that you're breaking up includes... My feelings have changed. Then that has to get put out there. Because if you don't, 
you just leave the person in. Not only are you breaking up with them, then it's breaking up plus mystery. Which is Why horrible. Yeah, which is horrible Le- be- to be left wondering. Yeah, that it you're going to you're going to create a wound. Do you want to make it a clean wound that hurts or do you want to make it something that's just jagged and and festers for years and years and years? Mm. You're going to inflict the wound, so you make the call on how you want to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's go to, uh, who have we got? Oh, Anonymous in Stellenbosch. She says, how do I convey to my ex-boyfriend who is finding it hard to let go after a two-year relationship that the breakup is better for both of us? That's a difficult one when somebody doesn't want to let go. Yeah, um, you can't. You cannot convince him or communicate to him that it is better for both of you. And I think her, I think that message was so poignant how do I communicate to him that it's better for both of us? You can't. Mm. You cannot communicate to him that it's better for him. Only he knows what's better for him, ultimately. And he may still believe that you are better for him, but at this point, the only responsibility you have and the only thing that you can influence is that this is where you want to be. Because you see what she's trying to do? It's that same sort of thing. It's to let you down easy. Look, look, it's really better for both of us, i.e., this is good, you know? Well, Isn't it look. slightly manipulative, Dr. Josh, also? It's a slight sort of, I want you to feel this way about it, and therefore I'm going to uh, present it to you in this way. Sure, because w- w- think about it. It makes you feel better. Oh, look, it's better. They feel okay. I'm okay, I move on, they're going to do okay, everything's okay. And the reality is that when you break up with somebody, most people who you break up with, they're going to be okay at some point, yes. But you don't get to have the control over them being okay in the moment. That is something that is no longer, first of all, it's never a part of your control, but ultimately the best thing you can do, the only thing you can do is be compassionate and then let them have their reaction. You cannot control their reaction. You don't have a right to try to control or manipulate it. So you also, and, and, and on that, it's not fair. I, I think it's not fair to allow somebody to have to have a reaction because there is going to be a reaction. And and I know for me, when I've when I've been on the receiving end of a breakup, part of what has helped me heal is if the other person has given me space just to say how I'm feeling and hasn't done a sort of a hit and run and no matter how honest or compassionate it may have been in the moment to suddenly go okay fine but then that we then start getting into territory of what should the contact between you be thereafter let's talk to that for a bit following you mean the next day or in the moment the next day the next week the next month okay okay Hmm. yeah 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 um so when you break up with somebody, when you, if you are the initiator, it needs to be, and, and, and look, there are, there are all kinds of circumstances where this doesn't hold. If you're getting the divorce and, you're, and in that moment it's the day you ask for the divorce, you're not never going to talk to them again because you're going to see them in court or you may see them, you know, and if you have, again, if you have kids, it's a whole other story that's a different show. But you, you know what I mean? So, so, but if you don't have connections... If there's nothing else that's keeping you together, no kids, 
um, no, no paperwork, nothing. Then when you break up with somebody, it has to be, you don't have to say, I'm never going to talk to you again. But what you don't do is say, I'm here if you need anything. That's not what you do. You just say nothing. This is the breakup. You know, maybe you discuss a little bit of the logistics of it. And then you move on. You don't have to run away. But this idea of I'm always here for you, Mm -hmm. um, you don't get to drive. Let them drive it. Let them pick up the phone and call you. What is now. that called? Yeah, go on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, go ahead. I'm talking a lot. I know where you're going. But well, go, yeah. Go I mean, what if what if the picking up and the calling um, becomes incessant and perhaps is just unhealthy, is encroaching on perhaps a new relationship that you are trying to embark on um, and is just downright codependent and needy? Boundaries. Boundaries. <laughs> what and are those? So boundaries. Well, so here's the thing. If you've been with somebody for a long time, and you break up with them. You've been up with them for years, and you break up with them, and they're hurting, and they pick up the phone and call you. You know, this idea of don't answer the phone. You, you can answer the phone. You can answer the phone because, because the first time, they're in a, they're in a state of, of, of trauma. They're in a state of despair. Um, it's okay to be compassionate. But to your point, maybe they do it one time, and then you don't hear from them for a week. Then maybe they call you again. And then you don't hear from them for three weeks. Then maybe you start moving on to a new relationship. And then they call you again. Maybe at that point is when you say, you know what, look, I care about you. I want to know, you know, if you're, if you're ever hurt or sick or whatever, but I'm moving on and I'd appreciate if you just don't call me. Mm. You have to say that. You have to give the boundary. And so my point is, it's okay to take the call, but to your point, when it starts crossing the line of your new life, mm. then once again, you have to do the uncomfortable and say, I need you to not call me. And you think, you know, I don't want to hurt their feelings. You already have hurt their feelings. You broke up with them. Yeah. Yeah, true. It's time to move on. Uh, let's see. Uh, Lisa says that face-to-face is the only way to do it. Respectfully, uh, not a text and not during a fight. Uh, Penny says, have a proper talk about why and what worked and didn't work and see if there's anything you can both understand so that nobody carries uh, this mess into another relationship uh, and save a fortune on therapy and speculation. Well, that sounds ideal. Who are these healthy people that you're talking about, Penny, who would behave in such a way? Well- <laughs> <laughs> the thing the other thing it just came to my mind you know we talk about this almost as if everything in the relationship is going wonderful on the surface and and well, sadly i feel terrible sarah jane but like the singapore thing you know <laughs> it's all going great and out of nowhere they come up and they break up but if you think about it in many relationships particularly marriages it's not like the first time you ever talk about it they're saying, I want a divorce, I want it now, sorry. So, so I guess my point is, if there are problems in the relationship and there are thoughts of breaking up or divorce or whatever, my God, those should be coming up way early. Mm. And so that by the time the final one comes, it should not be a major surprise. You shouldn't have to have the everything was going great and now they've come out of nowhere. Yeah. In fact, the person may feel bad, but they may have seen it coming a long way away. And you know what? Here's the other thing. A lot of times when you've had those conversations and you do come to the, you know, look, this is it. 
as bad as it is, it's not like they're not sort of prepared for it. True. Yeah. Yeah, very true. Uh, Yulisa says that a guy I thought... uh a guy I thought things were going well with uh, took me out for dinner. We went back to his place and he told me that because he wasn't in love with me, uh, things like texting and arranging dates were starting to feel like a chore, so he wanted out. He said I made him feel so comfortable talking about anything, so that's why he was telling me. Uh, this is part of the reason I don't date di- don't date guys called Andrew anymore. <laughs> that was great. Good. Yeah, I mean, that gets into this whole other thing of why people get in relationships, or um, let me say this. The stated reasons for getting relationships versus the real reason for getting relationships. Yeah. And sadly, sometimes we don't discover the real reason until we're already in the relationship. Mm. And that's the problem. You know, hey, this is great. I feel I love you, et cetera. But reality is, no, it's comfortable. It's nice. And, you know, we have sex. And, and oh, wait, you want me to actually do something? You want me to actually compromise? You want, oh, I don't want to do that. You know, and, and that happens a lot. It happens all the time. Sadly, more for guys than gals, but um, it happens. And that's, that's another reason why you don't enter these long-term commitments, particularly marriages, without recognizing that this is not about just hanging out and being in love with the idea of being in love. You mentioned sex there. Where do you stand on sex with the ex? <laughs> I think I know, but you know, for the benefit of I mean, the crowd, look, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm a psychologist. It's not, I'm not the moral authority. So, uh, what do I, what, what, what is my reality that I see? I see sex with the ex all the time, mm. right? And what do I see as a consequence of that? I can bucket it into kind of three, three buckets. Number one, um, sex with the ex, and then tons of regret. Yeah, why did we do that? Number two sex with the ex and man that was great and just let it go i nope we always had great sex and we just have great sex again and then number three the you know the rom-com story sex with the ex and rekindle the fire mm. and relationship finds um a resurrection it happens really I see all three of those things as a general rule again getting intimate with someone with anyone brings up all kinds of emotions. So if you're having sex with the ex, don't be surprised if you feel all kinds of emotions. And if you are worried that that's going to influence your next decision, then don't have sex with the ex. I just think, yeah, it's 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 a bad bad move from 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 friends to my own personal experience. Bad move. Sex with the ex is gonna inevitably ends in in difficulties and problems. And then you've got the thing of, well, are we really broken up? And what if you're seeing somebody else? And oh, it just becomes very very messy indeed. Oh, we've had a message on the WhatsApp that says that I never had any warning of divorce. I still have no idea why. Was sleeping for a night shift and woke up to an empty house. Ouch. Yeah, that happens. Um, that, that, you know, look, that does happen. And to your point, Sarah Jane, uh, without knowing any of the circumstances there, obviously, sometimes that's, that's out of fear, complete Mm. fear. Mm. I don't know. They, the person literally is so conflict avoidant, so freaked out. Um, maybe they're, they have a relationship with somebody else so guilt ridden that they just literally, literally pick up and run. Um, it is the most cowardly thing to do. But if we use the word phobia, if it's somebody who clearly has a fear of it, I get why they would do it. It's not right, but that happens. It is the most devastating thing. Um, but it happens. It happens because people don't, they don't learn how to communicate. 
They don't learn how to navigate difficult uh, emotions. And sometimes they literally just run. Sure. I mean, it seems it's very easy to say, well, that's just cowardice of the first order. But we all, you know, we, we are people with emotions and we don't always do the right thing. Uh, Byron says that the worst way of breaking up any way that diminishes not only the other person's feelings um, and as if the relationship prior to the split has no value. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I would agree with that, too. Um, if you are just joining us, we're talking to jo- Dr. Josh Claypo about uh, breaking up, which, of course, we know is hard to do. But um, is there any way that you can ease uh, the passage through a breakup uh, any differently, uh, make things slightly easier for both parties or slightly healthier for both parties. Where do you stand and and on things like social media? Once, uh, what what would you suggest is a good idea? Because social media has become so much of a part of our lives. And when I first started dating, when I was what sixteen or seventeen, eighteen years old, it just wasn't even a consideration. You didn't have to suddenly think there's going to be an entire sort of dossier of uh, of evidence of photographs etc etc of our relationship all over social media all over the internet um to, to unfriend or not to unfriend that is the question uh um be con- look if this is if you're trying to be if you're asking me are you trying to do this in a compassionate way mm. okay um then my then my response is be measured be gradual be incremental so what i mean is don't make the breakup, run home, unfriend, take off all the pictures, remove the thing about being in a relationship. Don't do that in, in that moment. I mean, it just, that, it's just, it adds insult to injury. If you, and again, I'm saying this. If your point is, I want out of this person's life, I don't want everything to do with them, I can't stand them, that's a different kind of breakup. But if you're asking me how to do it in a compassionate way, do the breakup. And then give it some time. Because, again, particularly if it's a divorce, this thing's not going to be over tomorrow. You know, if you, if you go in and ask for a divorce, it doesn't matter which country you're in. It doesn't end tomorrow. We got logistics to deal with. And so running to social media is the equivalent of saying, I broke up with you, and now I'm just going to tell the world before I even get my stuff out. I'm going to tell everybody else that I broke up with you. Mm. Even if, and, and, and Sarah Jane, let me underscore this, even if you don't announce it on social media. So, so, I mean, announcing on social media is even worse, but just the removing of the pictures and the unfriending and the blocking and all that kind of stuff, that is a way of announcing it to the world. Don't do it. Give it some time. I don't mean months, but give it, I mean, God, give it at least a few days, a week, something, you know, before you immediately go do it. That is the most humane way to do it. I also wanted to talk about uh, friends because, of course, when you uh, when you get together, it's all lovely, isn't it? You're double dating. You're sh- you meet each other's friends. You're sharing friends. Your friends become his friends. His friends become her friends, and it all becomes lovely and it's wonderful. What happens once you break up? Is it possible to keep mutual friends in a relationship where you split? Is it possible? Yes. Is it advisable? No, oh, yeah, if, if, yes, if possible. I mean, the, one of the casualties in a breakup are the friends, mm. the mutual friends. And what I try to tell people is this. Not only is a breakup devastating for you and the other person, but it creates an emotional, a, a wave of sort of emotional toxicity that's, that's temporary. And 
It impacts the friends. And so you kind of don't know what's going to happen. It, it brings out the best in friends and the worst in friends. You see people, you see friends acting as crazy around the relationship as maybe you think you or the other person are. And so as far as mutual friends, this is one of those ones where you kind of have to let things play out and, and don't force the issue because the friends are going to try to figure this thing out themselves. And so you forcing the issue, are you my friend? Are you going to stay with me, me or him, him or me, me or him? That doesn't work because your friends are sitting there on the other side going, which one do we pick? What do we do? How do we do? And so what I tell people and what I tell friends is let everything settle out. Relationships have a way of, of, of having their own natural course. You're going to lose some friends. You're going to keep some friends. I don't know which ones. Don't try to push the issue. Because the more you push the issue, the more you feed the poison into temporary poison into the scenario, and it just makes things worse. Let it just play out and and see what happens. And ultimately, you're going to get some, you're going to lose some. Somebody's asking here, um, in a situation uh, where you were living with your partner, how do you go about deciding who moves out and who gets what? Oh, my goodness. I mean, that is a... Well, that's... <sighs> Yeah, that's what I was saying about, you know, it's great to have the breakup conversation. What's even more awkward is you can have the breakup conversation. And again, if you're living with them or you're married, okay, well, now what do we do? Do you go to a hotel? Do you, yeah. do, do you leave tonight? Do you sleep on the couch? Do you sleep in the same bed? Do you? So what happens is there's the emotional intensity of this is going to end. Then there is the trudging through the logistics. And let me tell you, where some of the most the nastiness happens is after that, because when the sadness goes is over, and then now i got to look at you, and now i got to figure it out. And what I would say to, 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 to your listener is the calmer you can remain, the more you can see this as it is just painful, and you almost go into automatic pilot. And you can even hear how my voice is changing. You take it one step at a time. It is a trauma. It is a disaster. Uh, who's going to move out? I don't know. Let's, let's talk that through. You know, uh, I, you know, you may decide to move out. Who's going to keep what? When it comes to who's going to keep what, here's my recommendation. You know, look, if you've got assets between you, it then becomes a legal matter, etc. But my God, what I see the biggest blow-ups are they come down to the stupid, you know, I don't know, the article of clothing that was given to both of you, the sweatshirt mm. that was there, or the, the little porcelain doll or whatever, because it's all about hurt feelings. I've seen a couple who took, went to court over who got custody of the dog. Oh, no. So my point is try to check yourself as you're going through this. If you can't process how to divide stuff up in this moment, if you can't figure out who's going to move out, let the other person know and say, look, I, I can't do this right now. Mm, mm, for sure. Listen, Josh, we're going to have to end it there, but uh, thanks so much, as always, for uh, a really informative uh, discussion. It's been uh, really powerful stuff to hear and, and very useful food for thought, I think, also uh, for, uh, for not just me, but for our listeners too. And it's always great to chat to you, and we will chat again uh, next week. Thank you, Sarah Jane. Have a good night.